This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. November 1st, 10 p.m. Israel's election exit polls start rolling in. The right wing, with Bibi at its helm, have achieved the unthinkable, a triumphant comeback. Some left-wing parties are even struggling to pass the threshold, leaving them on the precipice of oblivion. One, Meretz, doesn't make it. The right have done it again, and celebrations are in order. In the words of the great Jewish poet Pink, exclamation point. I'm coming up, so you better get this party started. Get this party started. But record scratch sound effect. That was all some 45 days ago, a month and a half later, and still no government. Bibi is expected to announce his new coalition this Tuesday, but time shall tell. For the expected premiere, the struggle was real. 45 days of agony. Maybe they'll instate a new Jewish holiday to commemorate this time. It seemed that with each passing day, another exciting expected right-wing reform evaporated into thin air. Judicial reforms, economic reforms, police reforms, poof, poof, poof. Now, all that remains are two questions. Will a government be formed at all? And if so, will it even be right-wing? To help us answer these questions, we're joined by a beloved friend of the podcast, a contender for the title of nicest Jewish boy, Roy Idan. Roy Idan is a scriptwriter and a political analyst. He's consulted for some of the major political parties in Israel, including the Likud and Blue and White, if anybody remembers what that is. He's also the creator of the hugely successful Israeli police drama, Manayek, which was recently sold to none other than HBO. We're thrilled to be joined by Roy to talk politics, police, and TV. Thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you? Thank you. I just have to say it's HBO Max, Latam, Latin America. Wow. Only. I always have to read the fine print. HBO is HBO. It's HBO, well, man. It's one company. Ethan, you have lots of notifications, I think, going on. All right, all right. I'm computer. Shut off my uh, my phone and my computer. I'll just, I'll just leave the chat. Okay? <laughs> so... Oi, yeah. You came out. You came out of the closet. You just be, just before, just after the elections, mm-hmm. you've been dissing Netanyahu for years, calling him, and I quote, a purple schmuck, and dissing the Likud party. Um, and then in a in a twist that even in Manayak uh, nobody would see coming, you <laughs> declared you. Ended up voting for Bibi. How did it happen? Um, I didn't really. I, I, I was left uh, without a better choice. Um, you know, had to vote for someone. And uh, unfortunately, um, in this election, the right wing options were either voting for Likud and Netanyahu, or voting for. Um, very, very religious parties that I, you know, have issues with. Uh, I support some of their policies, but definitely not all of them, uh, nor the rhetoric. So um, what about New Hope and Yamina? No, and- the, those are all options that are in this election uh, were obviously, you know, left wing, uh, which means, you know, the... In Israel, I don't know how how much how your um, your listeners, your viewers are are familiar with the the divide, the schism within Israeli politics nowadays. Isn't about Palestinian state or uh, you know uh, capitalism versus uh, socialism, whatever. It's um, either you uh, completely reject Benjamin Netanyahu as prime minister on on person like on a personal level, or you support or don't mind that Benjamin Netanyahu would be uh, uh, prime minister. So that, that's kind of like the, uh, that's the dividing line. So I had to, 
I had to, I had to choose it's a hard choice. Side. But yeah. if you knew, if you had known that Shaquille... And I thought that Netanyahu, even with all of his faults and his, uh, you know, his uh, many well-known um, flaws, um, is better than Yair Lapid, uh, for sure, than Bennett, with, with only six mandates out of 120 as prime minister, for sure. Uh, better than anyone who would form a coalition with uh, what I perceive are parties uh, that support terrorism and um, are uh, opposed to Israel as uh, the Jewish nation state uh, and are opposed to Zionism, which I, I don't think these parties you can argue they, they are not supposed to be part of the Knesset at all, but but uh, especially not part of the definitely not part of the coalition or the government. Uh, so I had to I had to make a hard choice, Sophie's choice. <laughs> so, but you voted Yamina last time, right? Mm -hmm. You voted for Ben. And the times before, yeah. So how did you feel about what happened after the, the previous elections? As a oh, it, it was a complete... Um, uh, for me, it was uh, on a, even on a personal level because I'm, I was very... Uh, I, you know, I knew Bennett and Ayala Chaket personally. I was even friendly with them. And um, on a personal level, I felt a complete betrayal, um, both a political and a personal level. Um, a complete, um, you know, going against everything they've ever said and uh, stood for in their political career and on a personal level and in private conversations. And I thought I knew what these people think. Uh, what are the kind of red lines that those people have? I thought I can trust them. I thought they're trustworthy as, as, as far as, you know, politicians are trustworthy, but um, can, be, can be even trustworthy, but to an extent. And um, when they uh, did what they did, it was uh, quite, uh, quite a traumatic moment, I have to say. It was kind of like a even even me, I, I'm very, very cynical. You know, I've been around the block a couple of times, but it was an act of uh, political nihilism that, 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 I've, that I have to say shocked me, <laughs> like really, really shocked me, took me by complete surprise, I have to say. What would you have them do? Sorry, Ethan, one last question. What would you have them do? Uh, anything would have been better. Elections. I think for the country as, as a whole and for, uh, for them personally, politically, anything would have been better for them if they, yeah, and another election, you know. Another... I, I want to, one of the things that I think is plaguing like Israeli politics and Israeli society today is the fact that we see everybody so cynical, right? We see the other mm -hmm. side as like, as, as wanting bad. And that's how we're seen on the right. That's how I feel like a lot of the left is seen as, you know, people who are not loyal to this country, not loyal to their constituency, whatever. Do you think that what drove Bennett is some kind of cynical, like, uh, desire for power? Do you think he actually believed what he was Absolutely. saying? I think it was a childish uh, pursuit uh, of the title of prime minister. Uh, and he was a person, it, it was a personal issue, a psychological issue, even perhaps. Uh, he was uh, ready, willing and able to completely uh, you know, step over any principle, any promise that he's made in the past, uh, anything, in order to to have uh, that uh, line in his resume or his uh, Wikipedia entry, whatever, uh, as long as it says that Naftali Bennett was once the Prime Minister of the State of Israel. Uh, but, you know, as completely as cynical, I think. As a voter, I have the the benefit of being able to say that I don't know him personally, but still I feel like, okay, I got fooled. Like, do you feel like you were, like, do you feel like how could I not have seen this? Of course. I never, listen, I didn't, it's not that I like saw Naftali Bennett as this 100% uh, trustworthy person that is, uh, you know, I didn't idolize him, I didn't put him on a pedestal, you know, he's a politician after all, not a very good one at that. Uh, but, um, but still, I could have never, never have, have uh, foreseen him uh, forming a coalition with the same party that he himself only weeks and months before called 
supporters of, supporters of terrorism. You try to uh, stop them from uh, being able to run uh, uh, in the elections. All that, you know, all that rhetoric Ram. for many, many years. The Arab party, Ram. Yeah, and I'm talking about uh, Ram, uh, of course, the uh, Islamic, uh, the Islamic party. Um, so he had all these things to say about it, which I think are true, which I, I uh, to a, a large extent, to, uh, agree. You know, I agree with him, agreed with him. And then he goes, uh, he goes and, and completely, you know, flip-flops. Uh, it's, it's crazy. But it, like was maybe, very, it was a very difficult moment for him. Maybe in the grand scheme of things, maybe historically he played an important role. Because I... Everybody said they saw that they saw this as as unachievable, as unthinkable. The outcomes of the last election, the return of BB was like. But for me, to be honest, I think there might even be recordings of me. Luckily, we have a podcast. I I saw this swing back, like because it was so obvious that after such a deep betrayal, there would be this like the pendulum would swing back. You know. Yeah, it was. Of course, it was. A, it, the, the once the decision was made, I had I even had a conversation with Ayala Chaked when the when the decision was already made, basically, and 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 I had a chance to sit down with her and uh, with some 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 other friends and uh, talk to her about it and try to talk her out of it. And it wasn't. You didn't need to be. No offense, Eitan, you're a smart guy, but uh, I thought maybe I had a future in political. You didn't, you didn't have to be a genius. To, to have foreseen how this would end up. I mean, this government, it was, we, you know, we gave her the, basically the prophecy that kind of uh, fulfilled almost completely what we told her that's gonna happen. It was super, super easy to predict. Um, so why did she do it? Why did she go play alone? Uh, I think she's a very, very weak person that is uh, very easily swayed and manipulated and um, uh, herded, I would say, uh, into, uh, into these uh, moves. And um, I think Naftali had the sway over her and managed to, um, to take her down with him. Even and, now then completely, the and then completely, and then completely uh, leaving her to lurch uh, yeah. when he decided to... Even now, before on, elections, back out when, of she, when she ran by herself, she could quit, like the least she could do to have some kind of hope in passing the threshold. She could quit the government, mm -hmm. right? And save a little bit, but she never, even today, well, she's still the minister. I have to say, I know we like to bash her for still being the minister of the interior, but as, as something I have to say about Ayala Chaked is that she did did a decent job as minister, as the interior minister, and an important job, and she did some good things. Um, and I think she stayed on as minister out of a sense of responsibility. I really do think that, even though it had uh, there was a political uh, price to pay for it. And uh, so, so I, I don't know. I think it's a little. Uh, I know. I, of course, I. I, I also. Uh, You're so hearted. <laughs> no, I also uh, kind of like during the election, uh, like to, uh, you know, uh, like to repeat this kind of. Um, well, you're still the you're still the sitting minister of the interior. How, right. how can you say that you oppose this government? You think it was a mistake if you're still, but it's it's a little uh, simplistic, I think. So, you know, however fun it is to to hate on Naftali Bennett and uh, and the uh, Chaked, and it's how, a lot of fun. It is, it is, and uh, you know, however deserving they are, we have a lot of stuff we want to talk about. We want to talk about your TV show, but also currently we're in the throngs of of uh, political turmoil and trying to form a government. And you not throws. once, the throws, yeah. you not once have uh, have um, state tweeted that you don't believe that, uh, that this government is even gonna be formed. So what are you thinking about the prospects of the government and you know what it's gonna look like? Uh, the prospects are quite grim, I'm afraid. Uh, bleak, the future seems uh, bleak. Um, I think if even if this uh, government is formed, 
I don't think it's going to last more than a year. Uh, I think Netanyahu really doesn't want this government. He really doesn't want to do the kind of uh, right-wing reforms that a lot of us have been talking about for many years with uh, you know, the judicial system and uh, that kind of stuff that he's been avoiding for years and decades. I think he doesn't want to do it. Uh, I think there's zero trust uh, between him and his partners, at least on the right, Smotrich and Ben Gvir. And, and so what they're trying to do is they're, what, what usually happens is, you know, you form a government right away on, on, on the basis of very broad kind of broad strokes uh, of policy. And then you start uh, executing that policy in detail. And what they're doing now is because they have so little trust in Netanyahu is they're trying to lock in the specific um, you know, items of policy uh, before the government is formed. Very high resolution. They, very high resolution because they don't trust that guy. Uh, I have to say, with uh, it's, uh, it's quite advisable behavior, I think, uh, on their behalf. Um, and couldn't it be a good part. thing? I mean, you know, like the, the old way that you mentioned about broad strokes didn't lead any government to great success. Maybe this is great, right? Yeah, but, it, but it's, a telling, it's a telling sign of, uh, of a lot of uh, distrust and a lot of the work of, of, of a coalition and the government is, uh, is based on trust. And if there's so little trust, then the first, and there's, this government is going to face enormous, enormous, enormous uh, pressures uh, from abroad, from, you know, the, the security situation, the economical situation that can uh, deteriorate rapidly. And the voters. Uh, and the voters, uh, a lot of them aren't happy with the, uh, and internally with uh, the left, you know, and kind of like the civil society. Uh, it's going to face huge pressures. And if there's so little trust, I mean, the fissures are going to be, um, are going to form right away. Um, maybe we don't need our politicians to be, you know, maybe, maybe it can be based on like when, when you buy an apartment and you sign a contract, you don't have trust there. I mean, there's a, maybe a, no, basic a, a contract is always, uh, in preparation for the worst case scenario. Definitely. So maybe, maybe it's good that they hashed out, all Should be at least. Stuff, you know, um, yeah, but it's but still, you know, things are going to pop up, you know, it's not, um, they're not cover, covering every contingency right now in that agreement. Uh, things are going to happen. Like reality, God's learned. Yeah, exactly. Reality, reality is going to happen and uh, things are going to pop up and there are going to be disagreements and pressures and then, you know, and uh, so I don't, I don't, I think Netanyahu's wet dream is to have uh, Gantz in the government instead of uh, Smotrich and instead of uh, Itamar Benfit. He doesn't want that. That's that's been his uh, modus operandi all along. I mean, uh, and Gantz only has without uh, Gidon Saar, he has what? Five no, or with Gidon Saar. With Gidon with Saar, of course. So you think Gidon Saar would ever come back to a government with Bibi? Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? If Gantz would, maybe he would too. But without, if, if Gidon doesn't come, mm-hmm. then Gantz only has like five or six guys, which okay, is not so enough. So it's just it's, it's just enough to get rid of Smotrich and keep Benkvir. And keep Benkvir. Or maybe you get rid of Benkvir and keep Smotrich. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just add those five mandates so they don't have so much uh, power in the coalition mm-hmm. and uh, kind of like try to placate some of the you know uh, you know people in uh, the White House and uh, I don't know. The but EU. Gantz w- probably wouldn't do it. Right now, maybe in a year, but not now. Maybe in a year, but not now. No. So now the government is. I don't doing think it can afford to do it politically. So how? So right now it looks like the big winners here are. Which is kind of weird because they're saying, "Oh well, Israel is in danger. The democracy is in danger." Blah blah. Okay, so step step up and uh, join the government instead of the extremists and uh, save Israel. But they they won't do that. So it kind of like uh, you know it cuts the. Uh, cuts their argument at the legs, kind of like... You know, they... if you would poll Likud voters, you would find mm-hmm. out probably um, that many, if not most of them, want the government with Lapid. Um, yeah, because they're uh, not the brightest uh, group of people, not the brightest demographic 
around you think? most of, most yeah of course why is it know. a bad is it like it's not no not not that there's something bad about them i think the paid voters are the same like 90 of the population of israel uh which is kind of like in the center right center center left are ignorant no but why is what's it really going on say you want a government with lapid well i'm sorry you broke uh i'm i'm saying can you hear me you You guys can yes, do yes, okay. can so I'm that. saying that if you would poll could voters mm-hmm. many of if not most of them would want a government with lapid but they don't maybe they don't understand that the government would lapid with lapid would mean uh that just as it was with guns a complete a complete uh status That's quo cool. uh with the, the judicial system with all the important things that the right the Uh, wants to do is supposed to do uh, should do won't happen and in Israel when there's status quo it means that the left is winning that the left is progressing uh, because the status quo the current uh, regime uh, which has nothing to do with the elected government or the Knesset and the current regime is left and if you keep the status quo they keep their power they keep their excessive excessive, Uh, authority over uh, the other brand the other the you know um, the elected you know branches of government or elements of government uh, then they're winning so having a status quo means the right is losing the left is winning uh, and bringing lapid or guns into the coalition this uh, you know definitely means that the right will lose mm-hmm. just as the, the, the government with guns was a disaster for the right to So are you willing peritatic to, uh, government are you willing to pay the price because in the end we got to make concessions as voters mm-hmm. right so the big question is are you willing to pay the price we are now paying for the Haredis which is immense right uh, that immense maybe it's not let's talk about it but in order to make those reforms changes do you think it's a price worth paying yeah And also put yes. criminal like dairy back in the scene of the crime and all of that yes I think the situation the the the, the, the state of imbe- complete imbalance between the branches of government in Israel is uh, is the real danger to Israeli democracy and I think it's a, it's a it's an imminent and And the corporal danger as well not just the danger you know in the uh, intellectual sense and um, and uh, I think it has to be dealt with and if there's an opportunity to, to deal with it and, uh, and curb the power of the judiciary uh, which I believe is called for uh, I think it should be done at almost any 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 cost you have, you have and, to pay the price with your tax money so yes but <laughs> but you But it's um, you know I paid it I paid the price with my tax money uh, for um, Mansour Abbas uh, before and still for the Haredim. plus if Lapid had the chance I'm sure he would have you know uh, formed the coalition with the Haredim as well and give give he would have given them, the prime minister even. maybe and, and he would have given them at least what Bibi is giving them now so it's a loot it, it either either option here is uh, all options here are bad. Plus, you have to keep in mind that the Haredim, when you look at it in, in the short term, they don't, it's not, okay, they cost like maybe 5 billion shekels a year in extra money over the, but, but the, the problem with them is the long-term problem. It's, it's, it's kind of like perpetuating that lifestyle, which is ever-expanding uh, because of birth rates and the, uh, um, So not being able to, to deal uh, with that uh, long-term problem is, is, is what bothers me more than oh oh, oh they're going to get another two billion shekels for whatever uh, I don't know that doesn't bother me that much so let, let's um, talk about the judiciary reform that you mentioned a little bit why why is it the, break it down for us why is it the most important thing what what's so harmful about it today uh, because I, I think a lot of people don't know that right now Israel is uh, not really a democracy it's an oligarchy uh, where the final say on laws or on uh, government uh, decisions or what you may call it executive orders or I don't know what's the equivalent in American politics 
the final word on these policy items and, and actions that, that elected officials wish to take in Israel, laws, and legislature, legislation, whatever. Uh, the final say is at the hands of the judiciary, uh, the Supreme Court, which serves as a, a constitutional court, uh, although Israel doesn't have constitution, uh, and uh, the attorney general uh, and his, uh, you know, his uh, multiple uh, branches in each uh, government office, or each ministry, uh, and uh, the attorney general and the and the state's attorney's office. So the power over every single um, government action or uh, is, 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 is or, or decision or whatever is with those people and and and. Israeli law doesn't um, authorize them to have that sort of uh, authority. Like they don't have, there's no law, there's no uh, law in, in, in this or article in the Israeli, you know, legal sphere that allows them to, uh, re to reject the law and legislate it by the Knesset, but they still do it. Uh, and um, and it's a very dangerous situation, especially since they're not even democratically elected. I mean, the judges basically in the Israeli system, especially in the Supreme Court, but all the judges basically elect themselves. It's um, uh, so they basically elect themselves and uh, the AG and the state's attorney are also kind of like, yeah, they, well, the government votes, but, but it's always they're appointed even when the, when the selection committee um, recommends not to elect them, they're elected, they're, they're completely political. Uh, so it really needs to, um, they need to, to, to kind of reorganize that whole relationship between the electors. What do you say to those who say it's the end, it will be the end of democracy? I heard yesterday. I think there's not, we, we are, uh, we're, we've already passed the end of democracy as far as I'm concerned. We're not a democracy now. So in order for us to be a democracy and have some sort of public oversight and public accountability and accountability of the government to the public, we have to give uh, our elected officials, our representative democracy, um, the ability to, to do what the, the public sent them to do. But who will protect the minorities then? Whoever is protecting them now and whoever is protect, has protected them uh, before, the, before 1992 when the Supreme Court took over in an unarmed coup. Um, you know, you know, I, I always find that the argument devolves into like the it's like we'll kill a, the redheads. What if they decide to kill all the redheads? No, 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 right now, know. right now, let me just explain to the listen. Right now, the Supreme Court can uh, rule despite uh, uh, existing legislation and existing laws that he can rule opposite to that. And decide that minor a minority uh, should be exterminated. Who is protecting us now from the Supreme Court? At least with politicians, we have every four years we have an election. We can change them. The Supreme Court appointees are there for you know the remainder of their uh, coherent life. Um, so I think right now there's bigger danger because the power is much less uh, has much less. The, the people who hold the power now have zero public oversight. Politicians have public oversight. Uh, they're elected or or uh, voted out of office. Um, the judges are and AGs and uh, attorneys are always there. But that's that's the that's the argument I'm talking about, not the redhead argument. It always boils down. It seems to me every conversation with someone who talks about the importance of the current judicial system and the checks and balances we currently have in place. It always boils down to the fact that the public is stupid it always it's gets not stupid it's uninformed and a victim of um you know decades-long propaganda but the, the but you have to live comfortably there's no checks and balances I, I i dare anyone who says that we have to have checks and balances to show me what the checks and balances are over the judicial system no i'm saying that the people what kind of checks and balances do i have over the state of state state attorney's office 
What kind of checks you're and balances pointing. do I? You're pointing. No, you're that's pointing. That's not a check and balance. My point, hold on, hold that's on. That's not a check point, and balance. My, my point, it's not my Plus point. I don't the point. thing is the checks and balances they're talking about is the judicial system ha is the checks and balances against mm -hmm. the Knesset. And then you always bring up... Yeah, that's not the meaning of check... That's not the meaning of checks and balances. Checks and Montesquieu, the meaning of checks and balances is that, that each... That the judicial system is the checks and balances of the uh, legislature or the uh, government or the executive branch. And the executive branch and the legislatures are checks and balances of the judicial system. And the government is the checks and balances of the legislature. And the legislature is the checks and balances of the government. It's a triangle that is supposed to be uh, made up of equal... Um, of equal powers, of three equal powers that all check and balance each other. Right now, ultimately, I don't think that that they're supposed to be equal. I mean, ultimately, the legislative should mm -hmm. be because it derives its power from. No, the it's supposed to be equal. If you have to have it, you, it's you can't have the legislature. You can't have the rule. It's. I'm sorry if I. Uh, if I uh, sound you know, like a lefty, I, I sound like a lefty, but but a rule, the, the mob rule, is something that you can't. Uh, you can't. Have that, and there, there we get to it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Is that actually what it seems to me is that the the claim of the left that the judicial system is the checks and balances on the legislator always devolves into an argument on the left's part that the legislator cannot have absolute power. Now I'm not claiming for absolute power, but I am saying it needs to be the strongest. Cannot be cannot have absolute power or even be the strongest because the public is dumb. And because the public vote in, we can't rely on the public Doesn't matter. to vote in. Doesn't matter. But Doesn't that's matter. what I'm There's saying. There's no because IQ tests for uh, for uh, for participation agreed. in democracy. Agreed, agreed. And that's why I'm saying that the legislator mm -hmm. has to be the strongest because it is the only one that derives its power from... It can't, but it can't be the strongest. You know why? Because every four years, at the most, there's an election. Exactly. So it can never be the strongest. It can only be the strongest if you say, well, the legislature will be appointed for 25 years. Then I'd say, okay, that maybe that, that can make them strong, but we don't want that. That's not good. So, so there's an inherent system of protection from the legislature, which is that we have an election every four years. Uh, so, so inherently, they are. That's their. That's their kind of like. That's the check that's and balance. Check, that's the check claim, and balance. Exactly. No, but I would claim that that's exactly where they derive their strength from. It's that every four years they're infused with the choice of the people. Yes, but that, but of course they can. It can, it can change. Switch. It. it can change. They can lose their jobs. A judge in the Supreme Court can never lose his job. Yeah, he's no, there for good with his ideology and his bias, and absolutely. he's there. Which is with why politics. Which is why politically appointed judges wouldn't be such a bad thing. No, the politically appointed judges are all politically appointed. I'm not a fan of the American system. I have to say where it's completely political, but it's definitely better. It, it definitely that's the direction Israel needs to take because in Israel it's skewed all the way uh, to the other side. And it's very, very. It has a very bad effect on uh, on Israel as on on, this, on Israeli democracy. We need to take to swing that pendulum to a, li a little bit to the American side. I don't know if all the way to the American side. How how so? Like how would you? What's the balance? Well, the first right? thing you need to do is completely overhaul uh, the way in which judges are appointed in Israel, um, and have it have first of all kick the bar association out of that room. They have no business being there. It's a inherent. Uh, it's an inherent. I don't know if it's a corrupt. It's an inherent um, conflict, of conflict of interest. Yeah. When you have the the head of the bar association giving speeches in in support of uh, we need to keep our judges strong, and then he goes and pleads cases before the same judges. That's it's yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, so you need to kick them out of the room. Uh, you need to have a, a more, uh, I'm not saying, well, the judges shouldn't be part of the, okay, it's, it's good to have a mem members from that system inside that committee to, you know, they have the professional experience, they, they can, they can weigh in, but they should, they, they shouldn't have the, the automatic uh, majority that they have now, for sure. So who should have the majority? Politicians, the, the, the members of the Knesset. The members of the Knesset represented according uh, to their uh, relative size of each party in the, uh, in the Knesset. 
Uh, I think we should have public hearings for judges, for the Supreme Court, definitely, maybe even for, uh, for I don't know how, it's, uh, how it translates into the American, uh, into English, but the Jose judges as well, the district judges. Yeah. Uh, we, need to have, uh, we need to have hearings, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, public hearings, uh, we need to have public uh, courts. Yeah. Public, public, you know, we need to have to broadcast our Supreme Court, to broadcast our Supreme Court sessions. Uh, that's the first thing that we need to do. And plus, we need the, how do you say Piscatic Gabot in English? Uh, the overwrite? The article of uh, bitch slapping the judges. <laughs> <laughs> the bitch slap amendment, yeah. The ability to overrule the... The public... The public cock slap in the face of the yeah. oligarchs with black robes. Okay, so uh, we need that, and I, I would say that we need that, and we need that in a regular majority, like mm -hmm. any majority. I'm not a fan of it because it gives the judges a root in black and white the, the ability to, uh, for the first time, it gives them in black and white the the, the notion that they can even. Uh, you know, strike down a law that was legislated by the Knesset, which now they don't have that right anywhere. Yet they do uh, it. But yet they do it. So it's, so if we do legislate Piscatit Gabut, we, um, we're giving them that, that right. Mm -hmm. uh, we normalize, we normalize. We normalize it, but, but, but it's a situation, but there's no choice because they still do it even when it's illegal, basically. So we need to... Uh, have some sort of mechanism to, uh, so to combat that. And as well, I think that also, if they even think about discussing a law that was legislated by the Knesset in the Supreme Court, uh, they should have a full, it should be a full quorum of, of all of them, and it should have a very a special majority in order for them to even, we should regulate that whole uh, thing of, of I think one of the things that would solve that is actually but first thing first is the the way that they're nominated and appointed I think uh, one of the judges. things of knocking down laws is it, that would that would help solve that is the issue of standing and make it require require and then it's way to the, the ability to plead your case before the Israeli Supreme Court uh, today is far too the far too wide and shallow. Uh, it needs to be very, uh, needs to be curbed, I think. Also, another thing that we need is to establish uh, a law that will define the role of the AG, the Attorney General in the Israeli, in the Israeli uh, system. Right now, it's basically the strongest uh, government uh, executive in Israel. Many say that he's stronger than the Prime Minister even, the Attorney General, and there amazingly there is no law in place that defines his uh, roles and his uh, responsibilities uh, and the responsibilities that the, the attorney general in Israel has now are often contradictory or put, place him in a conflict of interest so that needs to be um, taken care of as well and also the ability of the uh, government ministers and government offices to uh, retain outside counsel in uh, in, in case they're not happy with the, the attorney general or the attorney generals of their respective offices of the various government offices they can retain now, nowadays when and when when the government or the coalition brings forth a legislation which the attorney generals people don't like uh, they can say well we can't defend it in the supreme court and we won't do it and the ministers are uh, banned from retaining outside counsel to represent that case before the Supreme Court. So they're basically stuck. What's their own? Can they represent themselves in the Supreme Court? No, they can't do it. They can't do anything. Basically shut them down. That's part of the... When people say, oh, the Supreme Court has only struck down 22 laws since the beginning of the States. Well, it's they made, they struck, it's, it's an outrage that they struck down even one law. And then again, there's also an effect that they have they have a chilling effect on the system because the ministers AG know. basically serves as a gatekeeper. Yeah, the, the AG serves, serves as a gatekeeper. They work for the Supreme Court, not for the for the government. Uh, so uh, it has to be that those these are these are the main main issues I think 
just need to who would you it. where would you place the power to choose potential joint uh, judge appointees because that there's a lot of power there and if you have a committee that's you know no, i think i think it's good that they promote people from the system and i i, I think judges should the, the, the judiciary should be involved in the process definitely as far as presenting uh, potential candidates for not only for the supreme court for all the courts for the the levels of the courts uh but um but I think it should also be, you know, any any, any lawyer from the private sector or any yeah, who, who any lawyer from the government. Have this committee who is in charge of questioning and then finally approving public the public who, who public uh, elected officials, elected officials, elected members of the Knesset. By yeah, but I'm saying who decides in the United States? Like mm -hmm. you, the president says, I want you guys to approve this guy. And then they, they go through a process, they can approve him, reject him, whatever. Who is the person who says, this is the guy that I'm putting up for nomination? The prime minister? I mean, it ultimately has to be one or- a Some of the judges can, uh, can nominate some people. Um, the government can nominate some people if they want. The politicians can nominate people if they, if they so choose. Maybe people can nominate themselves as well. Like right now, you can be an AG if you- a, a private uh, sector lawyer can become the AG. There's been Israeli AGs who've been who came from the private sector. I think that's that's it's a great it's a great thing. Why not? Uh, or from the within the the various government offices, uh, you know, uh, attorneys from that work for the government for various branches of the government uh, should be able to nominate themselves if they if they so wish. One one huge topic that's now in uh, public debate, and I think this is like your biggest area of expertise because you wrote uh, three seasons about that and uh, you made I, I think a writing thorough... about something doesn't make you an expert no but you made research you you did research yeah. you talked to a lot of uh, cops I dabble cops. I dabble um, and uh, the, the the issue is the the law of uh, police in Israel which mm -hmm. is a mandatory era law more or less yeah, it's a british uh it's not even a law it's um yeah it's a command it's a it's an order like a, yeah, it's a it's like a military or yeah it's, like a yeah, military. it's an order uh many laws just uh passed from the british mandate to the israeli book not of just laws. the british it's, there's even laws that pass from turkish. the ottomans from the yeah. turkish ottomans yes. yeah 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 um, and now Ben Gvir says, I will not come into the government unless we change this law to give me the minister, uh, basically a, like a power like the Minister of Defense has over the IDF. Uh, I wanna be the commander in chief of the, the police essentially. And people say it's uh, again the left and the media are outraged. This is the end of, of this democracy, blah blah blah. So, how do you think? What do you think about those changes, and why do you think they are needed, if at all? I absolutely support uh, Ben. I think he's doing the right thing uh, in a big way, uh, and it's very very easy to um, to understand why uh, Israeli police. Uh, is a wreck basically. It's um, almost on every level. It's a it's a, it's a failed organization. Uh, and, and at the same time, miraculously, the minister of uh, of uh, homeland security, I guess, the minister responsible for the police in Israeli government, um, is the only minister out of all the ministers of the Israeli government who doesn't have executive power over that organization that is under his uh, responsibility. As you said, the Minister of Defense has executive power and responsibility over the military. The uh, Minister of, uh, the fi of Finance has executive power over the Ministry of Finance, over the tax authority, over the, you know, uh, the budgeting uh, department, everything. The Minister of Health has executive power over the health system. The only minister who doesn't have executive power and only uh, takes responsibility, and uh, in case there's uh, some fiasco and uh, there's a and there's a Fire. and there's a you know a, 
escape from uh, prison. He's the only the scapegoat. He's only the scapegoat for fiascos. He doesn't have any actual um, responsibility over and authority over the police. And he has to have authority. Over there's the a police. reason for that. No, there is a, a historic reason. What? That uh, the police is is the only the only organization that can forcefully like act with force against citizens uh it's a uh, so how is it good for me as a citizen how is it good for, how is it good for me is this first of all no because the idf kidnaps me for three years of compulsory service when i'm 18. so that's a huge threat they kidnap me they take me they enslave me for three years and don't pay me a decent salary and then a, a if, month I, and or if i refuse and if i and then yeah and then if i refuse i'm put in prison that's a huge threat it's way bigger threat than anything else but let me ask you this what how the hell does the fact that uh the police can um uh you know uh, legitimately uh uh infringe on my civil rights because they have the, the power to do so how is it better that they have political public slash public oversight how is that worse than the situation where they do whatever the hell they want and they serve god knows whose interests at least when there's a political appointee just as it is in america where the mayor has his police and the 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 governor has a state police there has to be someone who is a representative of the public in charge of the uh, in America you know here we have uh, we have like the it's not really the commissioner it's the chief of police he's uh, the highest ranking police officer in America you usually have you have the highest ranking police officer who has the, he wears a uniform and with the stars on his shoulder blah 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 but there's a commissioner and the commissioner is always a civilian there's a police commission. There's a commissioner who's an elected- A commissioner civilian. Gordon in Bethlehem. Yeah, he's an elected, often an ex-police officer or ex-whatever, but a law enforcement uh, person, but he's a civilian, he's, uh, he's elected, elected, and he represent me as Joe Public uh, in oversight of the police force, which can infringe on my rights. I want my, if my rights are infringed, I want someone Who's, I want the oversight over this uh, organization to belong to a civilian, to a civilian who can be elected in or out of office. But what if this this civilian is your political job. is your political rival and it takes advantage of those powers to? What if what if the chief of police is my political rival and I don't even know it? And I can't do anything about it. Well, you can fire him. Can, I can't can fire the government him. fire can, him? That's the that's the idea. To that's the idea. I want somebody to be able to fire him when he steps out. Who of line. fires the, the chief of police today? Today, I believe the government can. Uh, I, I'm not sure, no expert. But they at least the they government. appoint him. They appoint they, him. So they, they appoint are him, and maybe they can fire him. But I want somebody to be his boss. Because Left I prefer is. I prefer the boss that is that is in charge of the police. At least I prefer that it's transparent. I know, okay, this guy's the boss. Mm-hmm. With the chief of police, I don't know what his politics are. I don't know. Maybe he, he's targeting me politically, and I don't even know it, and I would never be able to do anything Maybe about it. And, it. and it would probably never even in your phone. Yeah, and, and exactly. And they've done so. They've done that without any sort of oversight, just because of the fact that. At, at least I'll be able to know that this is happening if there's a civilian, if there's civilian oversight over that uh, that uh, branch of government. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Manayak Eitan uh, just a little bit. So, uh, first of all- It's a very you, natural segue, I have to say. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to understand the problem, you can just watch Troy's show. But can um, can English speakers watch it somewhere? uh not sure okay so right now like it's not available with english legally i don't think it's available in uh uk or in uh in the us okay uh so you need to speak hebrew mm-hmm. basically and then hebrew can... or it's on arte it's on as i said hbo uh, latam okay it's in oh it's in Aust- there's an australia it's uh it's uh it's in australia on sbs 
Okay. So you can watch it there maybe with English subtitles. You can watch it in Spain, dubbed in Spanish. Uh, I think they sold it to India as well. Maybe How do you explain, why, why do you think like all those nations are interested in our slimy... Well, they're not so interested. It wasn't very easy to sell the show. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's like we're the same reason we like uh, Nordic uh, crime dramas. You know, it's, it's a good story and it's well made. We watch it, even if it's not... If we, if we, they're uh, not blonde. Yeah, we don't have any beautiful women, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh -oh. no but but plus you know pol police forces around the world tend to have similar issues and similar problems uh at least throughout the western world so i think it's very easy to relate to that story because it can and that maybe that's one of the weaknesses of it when you try to sell it abroad because the story can happen in los angeles and it can happen in uh, paris and it can happen in Melbourne, it can happen in uh, in any in any country, basically. Did you expect it to be such a huge, huge success here in Israel? I I knew it was very good, and I thought it would be a critical success. I didn't expect it to be such a commercial success, to be so uh, to be so um, that so many people watch it. I think mm -hmm. it was a little bit surprised to me because it's a little. Um, Niche. Niche. I don't know if it's niche. It's a cop show after all, but it's a little, uh, you know, the, the messaging is complex and it's not very, it's not, a, it's not one of those, it's not like Fauda or it's not like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not like a it kind of, it's a little complicated and then not Politics very sexy, and political. So I didn't know if, I thought it maybe would go over many people's heads. But it proved it was proved wrong after the first season. So the second season, we even kind of kicked it up a notch, and the third season is um, really complicated. But uh, you're gonna wrap it up, like end it, yes, or keep it uh, going yeah. until. It, yeah. If uh, there's maniac the four, there's only gonna be a spin. It's only gonna be a spin-off, and it's gonna take a while because I have to take a hiatus from uh, from maniac. It's hard. Did you did you have like researching the show? Did you have any uh, interface with actual police? Did you? Of course, of them? course, many, yeah. many, both officially and unofficially, both uh, you know retired and uh, and non non retired uh, people from the police, from IED, from uh, the state's attorney's office. The show is about corrupt cops, by the way, guys. If you yeah, it's a, dirty, uh, it's a cop show where the cops are the bad guys. It's you, about uh, in terms of the IED. So can you can you tell us maybe the craziest yeah, story I, oh, that you heard from I a cop? I can't tell. I definitely can't tell you the craziest story. But I let's just say that I heard all the big exposés about uh, the stuff that went on during the Bibi investigations. I heard it all more or less in real time. Uh, you were talking just uh, the other day about the BB investigations and how you're the only one paying attention to BB trials. Sorry, about how you're the only one paying attention. How I am the only one paying? No, a lot of people are paying attention. No, I'm exaggerating, but that, like yeah. you've been following it closely and nobody's talking. No, a lot about. of people are paying attention. The mainstream media, um, to the most part, is ignoring what's that was obsessed with it when it was investigations and obsessed with it when it, there was an, uh, an indictment. Now when there's a trial and all of those investigations and indictment and the leaks that fed the media here for years are uh, coming uh, into the, under the cleansing effect of sunlight in the courtroom. And now they're not reporting about it uh, as diligently as you would expect. Uh, when, when I have to say the prosecution's case is not just falling apart, it's uh, disintegrating, uh, really, and, and, you know... Uh, like Thanos. Quite, uh... It's quite amazing. It's quite amazing to see and to, to hear and to watch. And uh, it's not getting as much uh, traction with the mainstream media as it should. And that's, it's very unfortunate because it's, the Netanyahu trial is probably one of the top three most important events in Israeli history. 
and it has the potential to change Israel to the better, or it has the potential to destroy Israel. Are you optimistic about the outcome? No. What do you think is going to... I'm not sure. And smarter, more informed people than me have categorically said that Netanyahu doesn't have a chance uh, to get uh, justice in the existing Israeli court system. Uh, I want to not believe that because I'm kind of a believer in the courts. I think, I know it sounds uh, it's funny, but I think if you, if you take police, the state attorney's office, the attorney general's office and the courts, the courts are probably the best part of that uh, system because at least there's a public, there's, there's, a, there's a, the principle of a public trial. The trial is something, but you can't, there's a level of transparency that doesn't exist uh, in the back rooms of the, you know, the police uh, investigative units and the attorney general's office and the state's attorney. So in the court, there's a, there's a certain cleansing element of, of publicity, of, of, of a public discourse. Uh, so I do believe in the court. So it's very hard for me to say categorically, no, he can't get, a, there's no way he can get justice. But I have to say that, that it's the, that the system comes off as being so, so corrupt from this court, from this trial that the stakes are so high for them and for, for, for the colleagues who are the judges and But, uh, and, and, and then on the other hand, just what you hear in, in, the, in the courtroom is just so, but you would expect, you would have expected the judges to already intervene, I think more, the, the, the judges aren't happy, but I would have expected them to intervene more uh, given uh, what they're hearing and what we're hearing in the, in, you know, in the courtroom. Do you think it that hasn't, hasn't happened yet? So it gives me kind of, uh, kind of an ominous, uh, ominous feeling about uh, the rest of the way. Do you think that uh, the current trial, ongoing trial is actually impeding Bibi from making the changes that need to be made? Do you think he's actually being as clean as possible? Or do you think that they'll maybe push him to make the changes or they're not going to be- a Or he'll use it to leverage for a plea deal. I think he's, uh, I think what he's trying to do is leverage a plea deal. Um, but you have to understand that if he gets a plea deal and there's and it would it's without Kalin, Kalon, Kalon, uh, there's a thing in Israeli uh, when a, when you get uh, convicted of a felony of a of certain types of felonies, there's something called Kalon. I don't, I'm not sure, sure if there is even it's like a, a ban from a ban from. A ban from public yeah, office. Yeah, you get you get banned from a public office for seven years, I think, uh, and and for especially for for offenses like such as bribery and uh, fraud and stuff like that, or or offenses uh, that involve your uh, your role as an elected official. So, so if he gets if he signs a plea deal that doesn't have Cologne with it, that they agree to to give him some suspended sentence or whatever, and and then not to give him he won that means that they had no case it was all an attempted coup sure. basically and he won uh, even if he's convicted with a plea deal like that he won that's yeah that but you know what will happen you know what will happen after that. everybody will cite the fact that he was convicted and that he's a convicted criminal and no. it's not going to do much good to to the public discourse or it doesn't matter people. it would be obvious that they've lost that they've lost and that they've attempted to overthrow uh, an, an elected prime minister uh, with their using their uh, extensive uh, authority and uh, and uh, you know powers and it's going to, it's, it's it would be a disaster I think for for Israeli democracy and Israeli rule of law uh, so I really really hope that uh, maybe the, the judges will step up and uh, do justice. But I really don't see it happening. Like they're, they're, I, I, the pressures on them would be immense.
And I don't know how strong they are. I don't know them. I don't know if they're particularly strong. They need to show people. their faces in cocktails and parties. and Yeah, with all their friends. But uh, it set the whole thing up. It's like Aaron Barak said uh, in one of the interviews, like that he, has, when he was the AG, he always said, I will never shame my predecessor. I will never do something that shames my mm -hmm. predecessor. And I expect my my next of line to never do something that would shame me. So it's yeah. like a mob. Plus yeah, mob, uh, mob. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh. Uh, it's been very optimistic. Something optimistic yeah. to end with, probably. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> life, life in kibbutz is fun. Yeah. I'm well placed for the civil war that uh, is up You have a fence, an electric fence. No, we don't. There's ah, no, no fence no around fence. this kibbutz. No, it's a fenceless kibbutz. And it's basically a neighborhood of Abu Ghosh, of, an, of a large <laughs> Arab village. It's a Jewish neighborhood. And there's no fence and everything's fine. Yeah, but Abu Ghosh was always on our side, they say. So. Not sure. Look at their election results there <laughs> in, the, in the last election. <laughs> sure they're on, the, on our side. You can get good hummus until the, the first shot is fired. No, the hummus there isn't good. And, Not good? Uh, no. no. I'm yet to find a good hummus there, but it's a nice place. Oi, thank you so much. You're on social media, guys. Uh, look for him on Twitter, R-O-Y. Not for the faint of heart. Not for the faint of heart. R-O-Y is how you write your name, right? R-O-Y dot I-D-D-A-N. Yes, and Manaya is spelled? M-A-N-A-Y-E-K. Yes. I went to college rats. Google, yeah. In English, yeah. Google Manaya um and look for a way for you to watch it it's it's worth it mm -hmm. um anything else we have all the, Wish you guys, uh, all the best thank you so much Roy. we really thank appreciate you, it it's super interesting bye Thanks, guys. bye, -bye.